welcome to episode 17 of the Harry Potter Lexicon Podcast. My name is Steve Vandrark, and I'm the creator and editor-in-chief of the Harry Potter Lexicon. And I'm Nick Moline, the uh, programming guy. Is that what you're going to call yourself, the programming guy? Okay. Well, you know, I, I could use what I use on that game that I play. I'm the alchemist. Yeah, okay, programming guy's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be an alchemist. Okay, well, you know, I get that. But, uh, yeah. Okay, all right, so uh, we are back with another episode of the Harry Potter Lexicon podcast, as you can tell. Uh, Steve and Nick at it again. And uh, uh, this is episode 17. Once again, I said this last time, say it again. We're kind of starting a new series here in the British sense where, you know, season another season is a series. So this is a new series. And this series is focusing on, well, just all sorts of fun canon stuff. And one of the things that we're doing this for is because of the new lexicon, which we have been slaving over for the past four years, and which is ever so close to being able to come out of beta. and uh, So, so close. So close, right? And we, we, we have great hopes that it'll happen very soon. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to jinx it at this point, but all right. So uh, let's see what's new with, with the lexicon. One thing we started to talk about last week was this whole idea of uh, live data on the homepage. Right. I'm, I'm really proud of that. Uh, you know, it was in your mock-up, but when I made it work, I was just like, oh, man, this is just so cool. Yeah, because we put a lot of stuff in that markup that we're kind of going, yeah, right, okay, let's see if this will actually work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, well, it's uh, on the on the top of the homepage, or the top of the main content area of the homepage anyway, there is this little kind of, kind of like a ticker bar from the bottom of a newscast on television or something like that, where it has... I actually, I, I actually, because I, I, that sounds too modern, I imagined it as like that thing under the header on like an old-fashioned newspaper. You know that little 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 identification bar kind of a thing. That's okay. kind of a look. Look, not not a ticker because that sounds like with know, a little. That's CNN. why you have the big tilty thingies on the side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's got to look. It's got to look like it fits in the wizarding world. You know. Okay, I'll, I'll so go anyway. with that. Oh, anyway, go on. You were talking. You were saying. <laughs> um, and so it's it right now. It has three sections. We experimented with different numbers of sections, but right now it's got three. Uh, the first section gives you the current weather and time at a number of different wizarding places, um, partially from your journeys in, uh, you know, the In Search of Harry Potter book, uh, right. and partially from, you know, seems like more recently she's giving very exact locations, like we know exactly where Evermorny is, and we know exactly where Makuza is, like to the latitude yeah. and longitude. Right. <laughs> And, and the other ones, the other ones, we can make some pretty good guesses on. Um, pretty good guesses. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know how close we are on like Bogotan because we just kind of had to pick some for that in France. But right, uh, same for the Romanian uh, place. But uh, Diagon yeah. Alley, we can be pretty sure of. Uh, yeah, well, that um, one I can be absolutely sure. I am roughly sure of. No, no, Ma- Mahu Koro. Oh. The Japanese, the, the Japanese one. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just because her description talks about it being off the coast and, uh, you know, basically southwest of, of, or southeast of Japan. Um, right, in the, so, in the volcano islands is what I imagine. Yeah, so I just, I, I, I picked, a think, a pretty good location for that. But, uh, okay. Anyway, well, so, yeah, okay. And, so that's and, the one. <laughs> and so, but we want to add more to that, right? 
Oh yeah, we want to eventually. This should be an atlas of the whole wizarding world at some point. Okay, and then and then we got the moon phase on there, which I still like the idea of like having a little warning come up, you know, on full moon, like make sure werewolves, make sure you take your potion. But okay, maybe I'm getting a little crazy. I could put that in there. Well, I know uh, you can. I just don't know. <laughs> if it, you know, I may be losing my mind. And then the third one, which is probably going to kick off a nice little conversation here, is. Uh, live currency conversions of galleons to pretty much every currency in the world, or at least every currency where you can get live data. Um, I think the current number of currencies is something to the tune of 90 currency, different currencies, and I'm calculating it in real time every hour of every day and putting it up there and showing you what the current value of the galleon is. Right. But now... And, and the thing is that not only that, but if you are like I'm in the United States, so when I see it, it starts with the value of in, in British pounds, and then it immediately goes into the ticker. But then if I click on it, it shows me the, the value in U.S. dollars. So I can always get to my own. Right. Very and easy. the first one in the ticker should always be your own. Right. And that's going by the location of the, as long yes, as sir. your location is, is, yeah, we can read your location then. Exactly. <laughs> it sounds a little spooky, but yeah, okay, because it comes through from your computer. Okay, right. and then um, so, but now, okay, so that's what we that's what we have so far. We want we would like to add more uh, more places into the the little uh, time and temperature thing. Mm -hmm. And well, what about the currency then? Because you had told me the idea that we could actually make like an interactive uh, converter, right? Well, we we certainly want to have a more interactive page. I mean, one thing I was thinking of is taking this data and putting it on any item page that has a price. You know, we just put, oh, this is how much this thing currently costs. Um, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, and then the other thing is we certainly want a page where somebody can go and pick whichever currency they want to convert to, from or to and either convert an amount of, of uh, muggle money to galleons, uh, um, sickles and nuts, or canuts, sorry, uh, or vice versa, pick an amount of galleons, sickles, and canuts and convert it into any one of those uh, currencies in right. real time. We used to have one of those on the le on the old lexicon. In fact, it's probably still there, but um, it's not up to date at all, I don't think. No, yeah, it, it's using a fixed currency price, and it, uh, it only has a relatively limited number of currencies. Uh, we actually, I think, in order to change it, like if we wanted it to update, we'd have to go in and, like, change the numbers on the right uh, I, don't, I don't remember it's been such a long time but um but that would be really awesome if it was like like always updated so that it was always current you know because yeah. i think i think the current value like in u.s dollars for for one gallon is six dollars and 68 cents or something like that right so six dollars yeah. 68 cents so um, I mean, that's pretty cool uh, yeah that's i'm just sitting here staring at it right now and watching it switch to the between the different amounts <laughs> Yeah, and some of them I've never, you know, never even imagined, never thought about. I'm sure that, you know, if that's the country you live in, you think about it all the time. But, I mean, there's a lot of countries, currencies that we're just not, we just never think about. 152 Honduran Lampuras, 53 Mechanese Pataka. I'm, I'm butchering these currency names, I'm sure. <laughs> uh -huh. But that's pretty cool. So, anyway, so that's, that is on our homepage. Yes. And we'd like to do a, a currency, like, exchange thing on a, on, on a, like, so, so then can we make it so that if you are, like if you're looking at the one on the homepage, if you click on that, it will take you to the converter? 
That's my plan. Just like uh, in the uh, the whole little weather thing over there, I've got the location as a link over to the corresponding location page. Um, oh, okay, perfect. And I am I am planning on uh, although I need to update some of them because I think you've moved some of the pages. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I am planning on on location pages also bringing in live weather and time there on the page itself. Um, okay. So. None of that has to be done before we go live, though, right? No, no. It, it, okay. We, we got to have more good stuff for after we go live. Well, yeah. Plus, plus the more stuff we add onto our to-do list before we go live, the longer or if out of beta, the longer it's going to be before we go out of beta. And I would really like to get out of beta. Yeah, so, we we really should go out of beta. Well, you know, the the thing is with that though is it's going to be I, I, I'm off topic here, but it is going to be a tremendous switch because. Yeah. I, and I, I'm just I, there's this, I have this little terror that a whole bunch of links and things will break, and we're going to get all this email from fans who are upset, and so I'm just hoping that that it, we can make it go as smoothly as possible. But okay, here's someone. I don't know if you noticed uh, a few weeks ago I published uh, an essay on the lexicon, and this is actually one which way back in I think February maybe, uh, like Mashable and a couple other sites picked up this this guy had uh, had written an essay where he had figured out the value of a galleon and a sickle and a canut. And uh, he had written this, and they had picked it up like, wow, wonderful, first time ever somebody's figured out the, the, the value, which kind of made me, made me want to email them and say, um, no, we've known this for a long time, and that's not what Rowling said it is, which is what I want to talk to you about. Because yes. did you read the essay? I, I read the essay back when it was on Reddit back uh, several months ago. Um, okay, I, yeah, that's where I, I came from. I, I glanced over it again when you uh, when you posted it. Um, okay. I, so you know, part of the you know the whole everything that Rowling says must be true. Part of me says no. She said it's five pounds. It must be five pounds. Um, but <laughs> yeah. See, though, and and but see, we the, the lexicon we come at it from that point because canon. Right. You know, that's because canon. So everything going from. Um, one galleon is five pounds. So we kind of work back from that. Because right. in my experience, because Rowling, we, we know, is not particularly good at math, no offense, but she said it herself. And so she tends to kind of do things by feel. And here's what I mean by that. Um, somebody asked her one time how many students go to Hogwarts. And she said, oh, about a thousand. Well, that's right. something she said. So that should be canon. But when you actually start figuring it out, most I mean, there, there are a few times when you can say, yeah, there must be about a thousand people. Most of the time, that doesn't make sense. For example, and this is probably the biggest one. If you I have look an opinion the, on that, by the way. If you look at the Great Hall, and you look at that Great Hall, she said, and I can't, won't quote it exactly, but it's like coming out of her own head. This is exactly what it's supposed to look like. Well, that means that however many students are at Hogwarts, it's about how many fit in the set of the Great Hall, because that's what it feels right to her. That's what I mean by she does things by feel. And so... If you actually count how many kids there are, and there's about 300, 350, somewhere in that area, which also fits with, uh, you know, the number of students in the in, in Harry's year. It fits with, you know, the number of broomsticks. It, all the different ways that we can say, well, this is how many students there are, that fits with that sense, which tells me it's kind of like she can't. She's not put numbers to it, maybe, but she has this sense of this is about how many there are. And if right. you ask her off the top of her head, she's going to say, oh, about a 1,000? Because that sounds about right. But really, 
practically speaking, how it feels when she visualizes it is more in the neighborhood of three to four hundred. Given that, I think that she has this sense of a galleon worth about five pounds. Now, the problem is, well, problem or the, the the interesting part I think about this essay is that what this person did is he actually kind of worked backwards. He looked at um, the value of various things and then. Uh, and by the way, his name is Austin Lacey. I don't mean to just say this guy. I mean, he was, he was kind enough to let us reprint his, his article. And, uh, and I'm not saying, I mean, I, I think what he did was really cool. He actually looked at, okay, so Harry bought a bunch of candy and it cost 11 several seven nuts. What's the logical amount of money that that would be? He buys three butterbeers at the Hogshead and it costs six sickles. So about how much would you expect that he would have just paid? You know, kind of working from that direction. And that's where he kind of came up with his values for for you know for the money. So and that's great. And if Rowling had never said anything, then that would probably be the type of thing that I would have done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so so his, have, his values. I have something on the number of people in Hogwarts, by the oh, way. Oh, okay, go made, back. So, yeah, that so. always made sense to me. Um, I would say that there might be a thousand students at Hogwarts now. Okay. But there would not have been a thousand students at Hogwarts in Harry's first year when Harry was born in a time of war. Right. So immediately after the, you know, Voldemort was defeated. uh, Voldemort. Did I I say the T? How dare I? You did. Oh, no, you did. Yeah. Why am I even you, working? Oh, I don't know. You're kicked, you're kicked off the podcast. I'm, I'm off. I'm, I'm off the entire entire lexicon. Staff. No, 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 no. You're not. No, no, no. no. Uh, anyway, I don't know how to do all that stuff. Immediately after uh, Voldemort was uh-huh. de- was you know defeated by love and mm-hmm. you know right there would probably have been a baby boom like there was after World War Two. Right. Oh, that's, yeah, okay, right. that makes sense. Plus, that would make so sense, too, why the, there are several mentions of, of classrooms that are not in use. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay. to me, what's always kind of made sense to me is, yeah, Harry's got a small year. He's right at the end of a bad war where, I mean, it's described in the beginning, they've had precious little to celebrate for 11, for 11 years. Right? By extension, you're thinking they are not, quote-unquote, celebrating, therefore there aren't as many kids? Well, I mean, there is. I mean, think about it. A lot of people are out there fighting in the war or hiding okay. or, okay. you know. All right, yeah. I know where you're at. I'm just laughing. Okay. Right. All right. Yeah. Okay. And then immediately so, no, after would... when people feel peaceful and they all go home, then yeah. Okay, all right. All right. Okay, all right. Okay, remember, remember the, the, you know, the rating of this podcast. Right. Okay, right. yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying. So, anyway, so that makes sense to me. And so, yeah, there could be like a thousand would be more normal, right? And, but but that was kind of a lean time in. Yeah. You know, okay, that it should sense. be the end of the lean time. And in fact, right. I wouldn't be surprised if each year after Harry joins, there There's were more, more students. Right. Interesting, yeah. of course. You know, it didn't slow the Weasleys down apparently. But um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Now so was let's get the rating. Right. Yeah, now let's okay. Let's let, let's switch back to the value of the galleon, the sickle, and the tonight. Because yeah. um, what what uh, Austin Lacey says, what what his 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 he comes to the conclusion that a galleon is worth around twenty five dollars. 
He's from the U.S., so he's thinking U.S. money. Okay, and um, sickles are about a dollar and a half, and canuts are about five cents. There's there's a certain you know, I, I, there's something I kind of like about that. Partly because if you go with Rowling's, um, you know, when she says uh, that a canut is worth what it is, it's worth like less than a penny, you well, know, or, or just about a penny. Yeah, one point, is, 1.4 cents by This is pretty pretty low. So, um, you know, but I guess whatever. So, but but what what he's saying, and and is that using that model, for example, uh, you can get a, a, a wand costs about one hundred seventy five dollars. Okay, you know that's pretty. That I would imagine that's that's going to be an expensive, handmade, fancy purchase. One hundred seventy five dollars makes sense to me. You know, I mean, if you go with Rowling's five pounds, then a, a, a wand is like fifty bucks. Forty-six dollars and seventy-six cents by right. by the current currency converter. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're the one who just made the spreadsheet with all the numbers on it. I see. So, okay. But but my point is, okay. Here here's my point. It in there are some places where the the values given in this essay make more sense than Rowling's five pound equals one gallon in the statement, okay? Um, I would say that to the daily profit, when Hagrid, you know, pays five canuts for a daily profit delivery, even at, uh, you know, Mr. Lacey's uh, value, that still is only a quarter. It's only 25 cents, you know? Whereas uh, for, um, for uh, you know, in, the, in the, the, the canon version, if you will, it's like seven cents. And that seems pretty cheap for the daily profit, including delivery. Well, except for the fact that all we know in the canon is that we're paying the owl. The owl wants paying for delivering the paper. That's what what Hagrid says. Oh, okay. It could be he prepaid for his subscription, like most people do for a newspaper or magazine subscription. Sure. They don't pay on a per-paper basis. It could also right? be heavily, heavily subsidized by the ministry, since we know the ministry uses the daily profit as its voice, you know, its mouthpiece for its propaganda. And also, I mean, a lot of stuff in the wizarding world is... You know, as we we well know, I mean, you just made the comment a few minutes ago. You were talking about, you know, the ticker on the homepage is not a ticker from a news thing. It's like on a newspaper because the Wizarding World's behind a little bit. Well, so I like to think of the Wizarding World as being, you know, 50 years behind. In in prices? Well, maybe prices too. Why not? Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, for one thing, I would assume when you have magic at your disposal... Uh, manufacturing costs can be a bit lower. <laughs> well, that, and you know what? That brings up a whole huge discussion that I remember having back, I don't know, way back when, just this whole discussion of how come, how can there be all these books? In this small community, who is publishing all these books? I mean, how do they have the resources and the paper and the, I mean, to be able to publish all these books? I mean, that's, that's, they don't have the, the, the cultural, the, you know, the, I don't know what the word is, but, I mean, there's not enough people and enough industry to, to make all this stuff. Who makes all this stuff? But then when you bring magic into it, of course, that's, you know. It's become a little bit easier, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, I mean, of course, that's, 
Now we're going to get into a whole conversation about Gab's logs of elemental transfiguration, but let's let's not go yeah. that tangent. <laughs> well, but but it is, but it, it actually makes sense. I mean, that right. is a valid point of you know they must use magic to help make things. I mean, I'm, I, I always go back to the picture in my mind of of Molly making a sauce by spraying it out of her wand into a pan. Well, isn't she just creating it out of nothing? I mean, I assume not, but. Uh, but, okay. I, always, I always had a great thing on that one, but that's, that's okay. So, so let's do this. I mean, obviously, we could have a whole another discussion about Gam's law, but right. Let's look at what, what I think, and this is kind of where I was going with this whole feel thing. Rowling has she does things by feel, right? And so, you can't necessarily trust her math and everything. So I'm going through the spreadsheet that you gave me, which lists all of these prices, and which just shows what a total nerd you are and um, lists every price of every single thing in the entire series and how much it is in gallons, sickles, and canuts, how much that is in dollars at $25 a gallon, and how much it is at $6.68 per price per gallon. And so I see, okay, here's here's my big one. If she's doing this by feel, kind of like she's writing, this sounds like about the right amount of money. In the Daily Prophets, which we know she wrote, and which I think is like this is pure pure rolling. No other editors involved. This is pure rolling. She wrote an advertisement. This is in the second Daily Prophet. I'm going to read it to you. It says, Bored by routine wand work? Looking for more thrills? The Magical Law Enforcement Squad would like to hear from you. We are currently looking for talented young witches and wizards with a liking for danger. As a trained hit witch or wizard, you will... Receive a full training in the latest defensive charms and counter curses. Learn how to restrain magical lawbreakers without attracting the notice of muggles. Enjoy a starting salary of 700 galleons per month in Ministry of Magic Broomstick and your own regular bed at St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. And it goes on, but that's my point, 700 galleons a month. Now, right. if you go with $25 to the galleon, that salary works out to $17,500 a month. That seems way high. That's a. I want that salary. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, well. I, that's what I get paid for running the lexicon. But I mean, for most people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. That time, you do. Yeah. Oh, that that times zero. Uh huh. Right. But um. Okay. But at at the canon amount, which is currently six dollars and sixty eight cents, or which is five pounds, that makes that salary about four thousand six hundred seventy six dollars. That makes sense to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, it's not huge. It's not mm-hmm. you know. It's a reasonable mm-hmm. right. rate for a somewhat dangerous job, right? Yeah, well, very dangerous. And seeing yeah. as how you get your own regular bed at St. Uncle's as part of the deal. Yeah. Uh huh. So yeah. so that to me kind of shows that 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 I think rolling sense is more in the five five pounds is a galleon, you know, kind of area, which is what she said it was. But again. You know, we all laugh about the fact that you can't always trust her math, but I think you can trust her sense, her feeling of what it is. And so I think it's very interesting. To, I, I mean, we have the, somebody might say, well, why do you post an essay on the lexicon if you're, if the canon says something else? Well, this is exactly why this discussion mm-hmm. is because everything doesn't work. I mean, for example, three butterbeers in canon amount would be about $2.35. That seems low to me for three butterbeers, okay? I mean, I've been in enough pubs, and there's nowhere you're getting one drink for that amount of money. 
Sure, okay. and a lot of candy for four dollars and forty-one cents also seems like a relatively low amount of money too. It does. Yeah, um, I would say the sixteen-dollar one, sixteen fifty-three, is what it would be under the other. So that seems more to me. See, so I, again, when it came, comes down to specifics like that, I guess you have to say uh, she's not always right. Did I just say that? <laughs> um. Yeah. Um, okay, but see, I, and then you go into the world and you say, okay, but the reason it was so inexpensive for her to buy all that, him to buy all that candy is because, again, it's really, really cheap because it's like a captive audience of kids, and they want them to eat well. So, which is why on the entire freaking journey from eleven in the morning until like nine o'clock at night, because that's when it gets dark in Scotland in September, all they had to give them to eat was a bunch of candy. What's up with that? Well, their candy has no calories, so, you know, that's it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, well, they're all about to have this feast where they're eating an enormous amount of extremely fattening food, so I'm surprised that they aren't all, like, you know, grossly overweight by the end of their first year. Well, of see, that's the thing. When you use the wand to make the sauce, the most fattening part of it, the sauce mm-hmm. eventually goes away. Ooh. So you eat it, and it so tastes it's... great. Oh, so you're magically creating the flavor... But then, you know, you can't create something from nothing that actually sticks around. And so, so it's just gone. Okay, so, how weird would that feel inside? Okay. So all the bad... So you use... You have to use some real food, right? Like the, yeah, right. You know, the chickens and the meats. That's all got to be uh-huh. real. Okay. But then all these fattening stuff you add on top of it, that's all fake, so it just goes away. I wish I could eat like that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> because you could have absolutely anything you want. Well, that would explain it, because if you look at the way that they eat, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 especially Ron. Oh, but not, yeah, but not just Ron. I mean, it's just it's insanity. It really is. I mean, the, the the kind of food and the quantity of food is just outrageous. But yeah, most of it all disappears anyway. Oh, that's really good. Have we just had our Gams Law discussion, or is there more? To, okay. Yeah, we kind of did. That, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at Azcatraz, you know, the place where we met. You know, yes, I actually yes. had a I had a panel. Uh, me, my wife, and uh, my roommate. We did a panel. On uh, on Gamp's Law, and you didn't come because you had your own session at the time. As uh, always, all the sessions I want to go to always get scheduled the same time as mine. Yeah, so we actually, and that was one of the thing that was like our main point of the whole thing is like, you know, if the, you have this whole thing said you can't, because her phrase, you know, Hermione's phrase is you can't create really good food out of nothing. She doesn't uh-huh. say you can't create food. She just says that you cannot create good food. That is to say, you cannot create something that's actually going to sustain you. Ah, but then what, when they're on the camping trip, why weren't they creating you know, like like sea rations or something? Although maybe they were. I'm sure because, they you were. Know, if you, I mean, but if you they're think still going to be hungry it, if everything disappears. Right. <laughs> right. And but no, but I mean, if 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 you can create something that lasts, which is like some tasteless blobs. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That that would explain how they could survive on their camping trip because there's no way that with the way that they were doing cooking so that they could have gotten enough sustenance. And it just no, uh, no. So okay. All right. Oh, all right. <laughs> anyway, there's there's the camp slot thing I was going to try to avoid, but you know. Okay. Uh, well, you know, and and now you can just tell. See, this is a, and uh, this is this is why it's so much fun to have you have. You part of this podcast is because you. when you and I when you and I even, get going, even though I use the wrong name for Voldemort. Uh, oh yeah, I mean when you and I get going, we just like you know. Sadly, this podcast could be five hours long, and at some really point we'd be. say, "Oh, are we are we recording? Oh, 
Okay. All right then. So okay, let's let's move on. Let's let's kind of shift back to a little real world stuff here. Kind of cleanse our palate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So new news came out. Was it yesterday? Today, Warner Brothers has trademarked the name Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Right. So um, what do you think? Well, I'm frankly surprised they hadn't done it already. Um, I don't. You know, people, you know, the news media is going nuts about this thing. They're going to make a movie. They're going to make a movie. Well, of course, they want to hold their option to make a movie someday. Um, you know, i just put it this way. I mean, uh, Universal optioned the rights to my absolute favorite play, like, years and years ago. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Which uh, is your absolute favorite play? Wicked. Oh, it's, yeah, that's oh, my show. Fan. So, huh? Okay. Okay. So, so see, here's here's the thing, and and I don't know because I'm not I, I don't I haven't paid attention, so I may say say something which is completely wrong. But I'm basing this off one fact that when the lexicon was when I wanted to get permission to use the the uh, Mary Grand Prix artwork that is in the American editions on the header heading of each chapter, you right. know, those old drawings. In order to get permission to use those. You had I to talk to Warner I, Brothers. I had to talk to Warner Brothers, not to Scholastic. And that little detail makes me wonder if Warner Brothers isn't sort of like, of, of all of these people who, because there's this group of, peop, of of companies which kind of has Harry Potter. Warner right. Brothers, Scholastic, Bloomsbury, okay, rolling as an entity. If Warner Brothers just isn't the one that handles the trademarking of things. And historically because it makes speaking, sense. they are. Um but the, the reason people are going nuts about it is the way they trademarked it. When you trademark something, when you register a trademark, you have to say, in what way is it trademarked? Um, oh, okay. Trademarked for what purpose? Because the whole thing behind a trademark is more than one entity can have the same trademark as long as they are for different things. Sure. It's not the same as copyright. I'm, I'm, I'm copyright is kind of... Well, co- yeah, right. Trademark is all about a name or, or an uh-huh. image or something mm-hmm. like that. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, multiple companies can have the same... Can you tell I work with lawyers on my day-to-day job? Yeah. <laughs> um, multiple companies can have the same trademark. They're trademark the same name as long as they're for different purposes. Uh-huh. And so when you register a trademark with... Uh, in the United States, it would be with the United States Patent and Trademark Office... Um, you specify, okay, I'm trademarking this phrase for the purpose of this, 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 and this. And what Warner Brothers said when they trademarked it is, for the sake of movies, animated films, and uh, video games. Okay. So, and they did not say for plays. They did not say for live theater. Okay. That's not in the trademark. So... Uh, that would tell me that there's probably the other entity is going to register the trademark on the play. Already right. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, already has, I'm sure. Um, and so it is true that Warner Brothers' trademark is specific, it's kind of specific to what they do, which is uh-huh. entertainment purposes. Oh, sure. Okay, well, you know, and I'm fine with that. If, if, but I just hope, and, and I was... I, put this out on Twitter today because somebody said that, oh, yeah, they're going to make our first child movie. And Rowling actually tweeted back, no, you've been misinformed. There isn't. Um, which, of course, you know, of course she said that. But um, I, I, well, I like what you're saying, the idea that... tweet back again? Because somebody... The tweet that I've seen of her saying, no, there isn't, was like a long time ago. 
oh, I thought it was a response today, but um, what, what I was what, what I was going to say is it makes sense to me what you're saying, that they want to just have it in case it would come to that. Um, right. But also, you know, I don't know. I, I just, and I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, and I'd like to think that, you know, big enough metropolitan area that maybe if someday if the play goes, you know, on tour, which I'm assuming it will at this point, you know, after, well, well I know, but, well. but I mean, if you think about it, it's going to be on, on the West End for a while, and it'll come to Broadway for a while, and who knows when it'll actually, you know, go to, it could be two, three years. Right. Well, I, I would love for them to do a really good, you know, to film a performance. I don't, I don't want to see them make a movie out of it. I want to see a performance. I want to see the stage play. Now, maybe I'll right. feel differently, maybe I'll, I'll but I really, I really love the idea that. of it. Seeing the seeing the uh, a, a good professional um, you know filming of a performance you kind of see that magic I mean I would love to see that and so yeah. if Warner Brothers was going to do that I think that would be fantastic and, and I that's totally agree and that's and that's uh, one big thing with a, go ahead are you are you familiar with a uh, thing called Fathom Events no okay so Fathom Events uh, they uh, specifically do this sort of thing they actually in fact it's a little bit probably better than what you think it is um and they've done it for the west end so this does happen um they will actually live telecast by a satellite to movie theaters plays as they are being done in real time from uh the west end or broadway Oh, that would be seriously cool. See, and then th- what they typically do is they'll do it live, and then a week uh-huh. later they will re they will do show the taping again for people who couldn't make it to the live point because the live point it might be you know if it's West End it'll be like three o'clock in the morning, you know? Right. No, it'll actually be. Oh, well, okay, yeah. But, but but that answers my biggest problem that I have with this that I have with. Um, the, the Book of Spells video game, the Book of Magic, or Book of Potions video game, um, all three of those things, and the, this play, all three of them cut out huge parts of fandom. Yes. That these are things which, and, and especially the play, because people can debate on the games whether those are actually canon or not, but, I mean, I, it really bothered me that there were parts of canon which I had no way to access, no way to get, without shelling out a whole bunch of money. Right. I don't happen to own a PlayStation. I'm not about to. Uh, I, I've got an Xbox, and I'm fine with it, and I, we don't have tons of money laying around that I can just go buy extra gaming systems, so I'm not going to be able to do that. And I'm not alone. There's an awful lot of us out here in fandom who don't have a bunch of extra money laying around to just buy you know, a, a, a video game console and the controllers and all the kind of stuff you need in order to see that particular part of Harry Potter canon. Yeah. Now, that... You know, you could say, well, big deal. I mean, so what? If you don't get it, you don't get it. That's you. But see, she always kind of makes it like even when she talked about Pottermore. The whole idea was she didn't want it. She wanted this to be for everybody. She she said, I don't care if you buy the book. Go and get it from the library. And that's kind of her attitude. But then right. when you have something like Cursed Child, and it, it has to be, couldn't it be otherwise? At least for right now, you can only see that if you can get these you know tickets, which you can't. If you can be in London, which most of us can't. Uh, and, and, you know, there's there's tr- probably 95% of fandom will have no chance of seeing this in At the current not setup. not for the foreseeable future. Exactly. And so 
I love the idea that they would be looking for ways to share this, and I'm not just talking about the script, because let's face it, the script I'm sure will be fine and everything, but that's not seeing the play. That's a, I, I'm a theater director. I know there's a huge difference between the script and the actual play, okay? and yeah, so I've, I've been in plays. I, I can tell sure. you the difference, yeah. Yeah, and so I just really, really hope that this is an indication that they are taking that seriously, which there's evidence to suggest that Rowling would have that opinion, that attitude of that, you know, I, I would like to be able to make this available to, to more people. If we could all just get it for the price of buying a, a, a Blu-ray or, or a, a, you know, downloading it or whatever, or going to a movie theater and watching it, I think that'd be fantastic. I, I, oh, man, that's a great idea. The idea of going to a theater with a whole bunch of people, I mean, yes. oh, that would be so much fun. That would be so much fun. I, yeah, I really if they do, we'll find out when they're going to telecast. So I'll, I'll come to you, or you come to me, and we'll we'll go watch it yeah, together. It'll be awesome. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Hey, we're, Mitzi and I are talking about um, uh, having a, a, a party for the premiere of the new movie, a fate fantastic beast. So you and Barbara need to come. Just so I'm just mentioning that. So plan that. So speaking uh, of the two of you, you just got back from uh, Wizarding World in California. Tell me about this. Jealousy. So, uh, Jealousy. so first of all, I should tell you that uh, we went to the one in Florida about a month after the Hogsmeade portion of it opened, um, and so now we've been to the one in California about two months after it opened. So, um, this is apparently our thing. We go when it's still too crowded to actually enjoy anything, um, and uh, and I, I do have to tell you they're basically the same. As far as that concerned, we don't have Diagon Alley down right. here in California, right. um, and I haven't been to Orlando to see Diagon Alley either. Um, I really, really want to, uh, <laughs> but I haven't been there. Um, but uh, I haven't been to either one, so you know, you, you, you're you're ahead of me. So go ahead. Right. So we uh, we definitely so part of it. You know, our first thought was, well, this is basically the same. There's a few minor differences. There's only two rides instead of three. Uh, um, but, you know, for us, the thing we love, I mean, yes, you know, we, we have our constant conversations that the, the movies, you know, this is basically the movies. It's the movie, it's a replication of what you see in the movie. Right, um, right, yeah, we, we, we know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. As, you know I love right. the movies, but, okay, hold on a minute. Three, what three rides are there in Orlando? There's, 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 so the There's original the, one in Orlando, you have the Forbidden Journey, uh, right? Which and then the, the roller coaster. Well, there's two roller coasters in Orlando. Um, oh, but they're the same roller coaster; they just twist around each other. No, no, no. There's there's two. There's the Dueling Dragons, right? Or the, or the Dragon uh, they call the Dragon Test, which actually was a really it's the same. I, yeah, I was on that one ages ago, but okay. And and then, uh, and then they have the Flight of the Hippogriff, which is a uh, smaller roller coaster. Oh, okay. Um, you think I would have known that, but okay, go ahead. And this one only has the Forbidden Journey and the Flight of the Hippogriff. They did not oh, okay. build the uh, the Dragon Task uh, okay. um, uh, roller coaster because they didn't have it to go and repurpose an existing roller coaster. And yeah. frankly, they don't have that much space. Um, you know, Universal Orlando is, or is Universal uh, Hollywood. You know, is something that you know. It's a real movie studio, and then they went and said, "Let's just stick a theme park here in the back of the movie studio." Um, oh, okay. It's not. Uh, it's not that large. Um, so, 
like I don't hold out much hope that we'll ever get uh, Diagon Alley here, uh, much as I love it. Let's knock down some of the stuff that I don't care about and put Diagon Alley there. They could take out all that Simpson stuff, all of it. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, so you know. The Hogwarts Express here in, in the Hollywood one just sits stationary right at the entrance to Hogsmeade. But that's um, what happened. That's what the other one did too until they got Diagon Alley. Until they right? got Diagon Alley, yeah. So, right. it's, so it's, a, it's very much like the original original thing over they had in Orlando, um, which is great, frankly. I mean, I love walking through Hogsmeade. I love going to the, you know... I could spend a whole day just looking at all of the candy in Honeydukes. Not, sure. Not eating it all, but because we don't have magical candy that doesn't have any calories. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's cool that they, it's like, okay, we need to take this magical thing described in the books and maybe shown in the movie, and we need to turn it into something real. That Sorry, everything's real. What am I talking about? But turn yeah. it into something. Right. Uh, turn it into something that we can actually, you know, sell and people can eat. You know, and I bought a couple of chocolate frogs. You know, uh-huh. Barbara had Barbara had a cauldron cake. Um, you know, it's. Uh, so, you know. Okay, okay. I've had chocolate frogs. I've had birdie bots. We used to yeah. do birdie bot shots all the time when we would go to the movies before a movie started. We would do birdie bot shots where you just take one randomly out of the bag and you had to eat it and guess what the flavor was. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you'd show everybody first with your eyes closed so they knew what it was, and then you had to eat it. But um, I've never had cauldron cake, so what is a cauldron cake like? Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, a brownie with a lot more chocolate put on top of it to make it look like a cauldron. Okay, yeah. No, I would I would like that way too much. <laughs> can, um, can I like it with a big bunch of ice cream on top of it? But... Yeah, no, they don't serve it with ice no. cream. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, I, I love... Uh, eating at the Three Broomsticks. Um, yeah, I saw your pictures. Oh. Uh, oh, you know what's great about it? This was part of. I mean, it, this is just Rawlings' thing, right? I mean, you know, when they when they were talking about doing a theme park, you know, her thing is like, okay, that's great, but no Coca Cola, no, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hamburgers. Right. These people are going to be eating what the kids in the book would be eating and right. drinking what the people in the, so. And that's why Disney turned them down. I don't know if you know that. You know, no, it was I offered, didn't. It was offered to Disney first. Really? Um, and Disney didn't think that they would be able to negotiate an area of the park with no Coca-Cola. Um, because, of the, the, because of their contracts. Right. Now, Universal has a contract with Coca-Cola, too. But uh-huh. their, Disney's contract with Coca-Cola is a really good contract for Disney. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's Disney does not pay for any sodas at all and they keep all of the money okay well that's a pretty good contract <laughs> um, they, they pay nothing for it and they keep all of the profit um, okay, I like that I like that uh, I don't know how you get that kind of a de- okay but you get well, the, the, you get that the kind association of, of Coke right. that, okay, you sure. will not sell anything else that's the right, way you get exactly. that kind of contract so okay. um, well, Universal's contract's not quite as good uh, no, I'm sure not, but but it's I, I that's fine because you know what I'm Dis- I like Disney for what Disney is I like it very much and I like that they're getting Star Wars I think that's great and everything and I'm glad that Universal got because look at what a great job they did with it I mean from, from what I can tell I haven't been there but yeah so oh, um, awesome so 
So what's really neat about I mean, you're in a theme park, and you walk into, as soon as you get into this area, suddenly you can't get a soda anywhere. There's no soda. Um, what you can get is, um, you know, pumpkin juice. And it is pumpkin juice. <laughs> uh, um, it doesn't sound refreshing to me. It sounds sort of... You know, it's it's cool, it's neat, but I don't, I can't drink a lot of it. It's just like, it's so, it's such an overpowering pumpkin flavor. See, and that, um, I, th- I feel the same way about butterbeer from its, from what I can tell. I mean, now I'm not talking about the butterbeer like at conventions where we make up drinks called butterbeer because I can make a lot of those. I'm talking about, from what I can see, I mean, it seems to me it's going to be pretty sickly sweet. It is. Uh, butterbeer, um... Imagine like Werther's butterscotch scotch, uh, candies uh-huh. melted down to a liquid form and then served over ice, uh, and then try to drink a whole glass of that. Um, yeah, no. Uh, it's it's actually kind of a cross between it's a heck of a lot of butterscotch and a cream soda kind of. Right, we always use really, cream soda. We always yeah, use cream soda when we make. It's not oh. it's not fizzy, so it's not really cream soda, but it's it's more like mm-hmm. a brewed cream soda, like almost like okay. a beer. Um, well, it's probably I would probably like like it for about four swallows or five swallows and then I would probably You know, that's when we went down there, you know, it was me, uh, my wife and uh, my wife's little brother Joey. Uh, we went you know, we went in there. We bought one butter beer and one pumpkin juice, and we shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'd have to do too. I don't. Yeah. I, just, uh, I would have to. I would want to try it, but I think it would be too much. Uh, I will mm-hmm. tell you when you get a chance to try it. I'm sure you'll try it someday. We'll uh-huh. go with us. Uh, try it frozen, um, as opposed to not frozen. Oh, yeah, they that serve it better. both ways. It okay. really is because it has more of a milkshakey texture to sure. it. Sure. Yeah, um, and I'm you know I can drink a milkshake. Yeah, I so it, but I certainly can. Right, so it's definitely uh, it. It kind of cuts that sweetness a little bit. It's kind of sure. weird. You think of milkshakes as being significantly sweet, but it's actually it almost kind of tones it down just just sure. enough. I can see. Um, that. So so yeah now and the and then the food is it. This is like you know British food. I mean, this it is, looked like it looked. I know, loved your pictures. I had bangers and mash. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Barbara had shepherd's pie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it. It was fantastic. I, I, yeah. Um, I want to go down there sometime for breakfast and have their breakfast foods because you know they, they're they're you know, they're, you know their breakfast has blood sausage and I mean it's just <laughs> not something you get in Los Angeles. I'm Typically, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so, At least not yeah. the places that we go. But, um, yeah. Very unfortunately, cool. uh, Barbara and I would not fit in the ride vehicle, so we did not get to ride uh, um, the Forbidden Journey. Um, oh, Joey did. Uh, you know, he thought it was amazing. Uh, but they did have an alternative for us. They let us go through their equivalent of a fast pass line. Uh-huh. So we actually did walk through the whole castle. Oh, okay. Good. Um, and Good. Then just, I hear that's awesome. And then just like, oh, you know, the talking portraits are just fantastic because they're just having idle conversation with each other, completely ignoring people, you know, and, and there's, you see all the, you go into this room which has all these portraits and they're just all talking to each other uh, and holding on a continuous conversation. It's really cool. Um, oh, so and fun. then the few places where they use that kind of, 
you know, the holography, the same hologram, holo, quote unquote, hologram trick that they did for things like Michael Jackson on, you know, bringing him back to life type thing. Yeah. Um, or they, uh, they did that because they have that effect for, you know, the trio and for Dumbledore um, in, in two different places. So you have Dumbledore in his office talking to you and he kind of looks like it's a little too flat, but mm-hmm. he, you know, it's a full on set and he is not at the back of it on a screen. He is on uh-huh. a essentially translucent screen standing over that little railing. So, sure. you know, it's really neat that you just have yeah. this whole thing where they're trying to talk to the people in the line uh, and oh. give them an idea what's coming next. Um, uh, oh, that sounds so cool. I, I really can't wait to go. Yeah, it's really cool. So, uh, you know, when I lose a lot more weight, I will go back and I will ride that ride and I will really enjoy it. But um, well, we will we will go with you. We'll we'll come out. We keep talking about that coming out to California and, and yeah. going there and going with you guys and going to Disney and all that stuff. So that's yeah. really cool. So yeah, okay. it's a it's it's a great place. I, I I just love being there. Like I said, love being on the streets of Hogsmeade. I I could do without the Frog Choir. Um, <laughs> I didn't know about the frog choir. <laughs> they they brought out the frog choir. Um, I could do without the uh, um, the Durmstrang and Bobaton uh, cavalcade, where they come out and do their <sighs> thing. Oh but, no, seriously! From, from yes. the film, you mean? Yes, oh, from boy. the film. And Durmstrang is like pounding their big sticks on the ground. Yeah, I, I could do yeah. without that. Um, yes, yeah, so that's it's so just complete, a bit... completely non-canon. Okay. Um, and I, I, I would say probably my biggest complaint about them is, you know, they, they've got this park now in two places. They've got it in Orlando and they've got it in, in Hollywood. And Neither in one of the, huh? Oh and yeah, in Japan. Japan too. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot that one opened too. Um, well, Orlando and Hollywood do not get cold. Right. Why do they have to make it look like it's snowing? All that all that does to me is make me feel hotter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> kind of takes you out of the out of the the, it's, the immersion it's like, in a sense. Oh, look, there's snow, but I feel like I'm you know I feel like a hundred mm-hmm. degrees because it is a hundred degrees. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, um, and yeah, no, I I they they didn't have to cap everything with snow. Just because no. there's one scene in one of the books where it's in the snow doesn't mean it's always snowing at Hogsmeade, because it isn't. Right, <laughs> right, right. Absolutely it isn't. No, no, that's yeah. for sure. Um, so why they have to choose to make it look like it's covered with snow, I don't know. It just it just doesn't work. Because the snow doesn't look real. It doesn't look, sure. you know, it looks like big plastic white caps on top of everything. Um, sure. Because that's I what it is. Because that's what it is. I mm-hmm. don't need that. Take it out. Let me see the village for the village and assume I went in the summertime because mm-hmm. I did. Uh, yeah, or um, even in the wintertime because it's not snowy then either. Right, not here yeah. anyway. No. Um, so, yeah, it's, no. So that, that's my big complaint. I don't know why they have to make it look like it's... Uh, um, what, what is fun is if you go into the bathroom, Moody Wordle talks to you. Uh, oh, seriously? Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay that'd be freaky yeah, it really is so the first time it happens he's like wait where oh oh it's Myrtle <laughs> Myrtle's talking to the bathroom wow um, 
And apparently she says different things in the men's room than the women's room. Um, uh, oh, dear. Yeah. That's uh, really scary. Um, but, yeah, that's... Anyway, okay, so I, I think we've talked enough about going to the Wizarding World here. <laughs> okay, yeah, now this just, just makes me want to go see it a little bit more. Yeah. So, okay. we, got, we, we, have a, we have a little bit of time left. Not much, actually. No. Um, and so I want to touch on something which uh, you had mentioned, and I wrote it down for us to kind of talk about. And I don't know, maybe we'll get started with it, and uh, if we don't have time to finish it, we can come back and uh, and talk about it some more next time. Because I have something already planned for next time too. Because you know, okay, good. Me planning ahead. Look at me. Look at me planning. But what I want to talk, you had said to me, and and I'm going to let you tell why you said this because that's what you told me of why you suddenly wanted to talk about magical contracts. So what's the deal with that? So, uh, as I said in the previous episode, I am doing audiobooks. I'm going through the audiobooks. The, uh, right. These are the Jim Dale audiobooks, um, mm-hmm. for those who get to hear the Stephen Fry version. Uh, and I, uh, I, I've been listening to them, and I've been listening to them only on my drives to and from work, um, which is kind of interesting. You know, we had that conversation last week, or last episode, where... Uh, we mentioned that when we sit down and try to read the book and we try to read them slowly, we end up just plowing through them in an, you know, in an afternoon. Right. Um, and, but listening to them in the audiobooks in such bite-sized pieces like this kind of forces me to digest them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and these and are you all think things... about you think about like one section, just the section you, you, and you yeah, think about. Yeah, just the section yeah. I'm thinking about. Right. And, Certainly, I've thought all these thoughts before. I've had these thought about magical contracts. We had the thoughts about about the Marauders map before, but you know, being forced to just hear this one little bit at a audible, read loud pace, you know, and then have to digest it before you listen to the next piece, mm-hmm. you know, really brings it back into the mind. So, you know, in the previous episode, I was just finishing Prisoner of Azkaban. Now I'm re- listening to Goblet of Fire and. Ah, okay. uh, yeah, just yesterday, you know, I got to I got through the selection, through the champion selection scene. And can can we just say before we go any further, and no offense to all fans everywhere or to J.K. Rowling, but Goblet of Fire is just riddled with plot problems. So okay, Goblet go of Fire is a plot problem. Okay, so uh, <laughs> so now that we've established that, go on. Right. So I mean, Goblet of Fire is a very entertaining plot problem, but it's a plot problem. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. Um, so, we go through the champion selection, and the the whole discussion between the adults and the little antechamber next to the Great Hall is that Harry has no choice, no choice, but to compete in a tournament that he wasn't even allowed to enter in the first place because he's under a binding magical contract. Not only is he not allowed to enter, but anybody who tried to enter who was not of age, the, the Gaba actually tossed their name out. So, I mean, they were, you could say that they are magically not allowed to participate. You could, you could just as well argue that um, he is magically not allowed to participate. Did it, I, I didn't even think they'd gotten past the lot to toss it in, did they? My point, my point being that they were, and I guess that was that was Dumbledore's age line that did that. Yeah, that Dumbledore's did, so. age okay, line. Okay, never mind, never mind. That was just yeah, going off on it, a tangent. It's it's the movie where it spits it out. Uh, 
Are you telling me that I just said something that's from the movie and thought it was canon? I, I believe you did. I, I'll have to double check, but I believe. No, you don't have to double check. No, no, you 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 almost got yourself kicked off this podcast a few minutes ago. Now you are in trouble, my friend. No, move <laughs> on. Okay, go on, go on. Uh, so, you know, yeah, he's not allowed to enter. The age line would have prevented him if he tried. He right. didn't try. He did not no. put his name in the Goblet of Fire, as he will no. gladly tell everybody. Dumbledore mm-hmm. believes he did not put his name in the Goblet of Fire mm-hmm. or ask anybody else to do it for him. Dumbledore mm-hmm. believes that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Madame Maxime and uh, Karkaroff, they don't believe it, but... We don't care you about know, Yeah, but... Uh, and Snape but, doesn't believe it, but... Uh, Dumbledore believes it, McGonagall believes it, you know, Crouch believes it, mm-hmm. you know. So, why is a binding magical contract that he has no choice but to compete in this tournament? Why does a tournament even have to happen? What is it about these magical contracts that make them a contract if it doesn't involve somebody giving their consent in some way, shape, or form? And why, I mean, why would they have to have a contract to make somebody participate? People want to participate. They aren't being forced to. Why, why do they even have to have a magical contract anyway? What it sounds to me like is Roland needed to come up with some reason why Harry couldn't back out. And so this is what she came up with. And but yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Um, because, I, I'm sorry, there's got to be some way for him to prove that he did not put his name in there. And if he didn't put his name in there, the contract shouldn't be binding to him. No, and not only that, but let's say that he had. What other school did he put on there besides Hogwarts? There is not another school participating. So if he put put Castle Bruchu on there, so what? Castle Bruchu is not participating, so it doesn't matter. I mean, there's absolutely... It just said that his name is in there from a fourth school. It doesn't even say what school. I mean, it's like, seriously... And then, yeah, you're going to magically force someone to be in a tournament for which they do not qualify, for which they clearly are not able, or you know, of of sufficient skill, from right. a school which is not participating. There's absolutely no reason why he would still need to be like magically bound to participate. Now, I just did think of a reason why they might have a contract because. After people get in, they might be like, ooh, I just realized how scary this is. I think I don't want to do this after all. You know. But, I mean, seriously, yeah, have the shame of, have the shame. Your school is going to think, hate you. You're going to go down in history of this awful person. Fine. That's its own penalty, you know. Right. But, but now, That's okay. a real penalty. But then think about this. Think about this. So, why doesn't Harry just sort of not, not, just sort of hang back and not, like, not jump in the water and, you know, I mean... Or just jump in and dog paddle around for a little while, and oops, guess I didn't do very well on that one. And, well, you know, if, okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate on that one. The first one, he's facing a he's facing a dragon, and while he doesn't mm-hmm. go on a chase sequence around the castle, he's still facing a fully grown dragon. He's going to go and try to finish this and get out of there as quickly as possible. Which to um, me would mean climb in the room and fly away right. fast and lose. So what? Yeah. If if he really honestly if if Dumbledore was trying to protect him, and it would be like okay look, yeah you've got to I'm sorry you're you're bound by this crazy contract thing, so get on okay you oh, they didn't know he was going to have his broom but you know whatever you're going to do just run away, 
Okay, yes, you lose, but that's okay. It's not Hogwarts. Hogwarts doesn't lose because you're not in there. You're on, let's just say, Castle Bruchu. You're in there for Castle Bruchu, so we don't care if they lose. They're not even part of this. It's a big deal. Right. He gets to the lake. Okay, granted, well, he's, an he's idiot got to say... Well, but he, here's the thing. Did he? Do they seriously think that this competition is going to take their friends and drown them? He does. If they do not... I know. I mean, what an idiot. Do they really think? Does anybody... I mean, okay, what kind of parents are going to be excited about sending your kids to a school when one of the things that could happen is your child could be intentionally drowned in the lake for a competition? Well, okay, so so Henry's whole thing is that he, you know, as they even refer to it as his saving people thing, right? There you um, go. So Harry's first thing is, you know, friend in danger must act. Okay, granted. Or frankly... Person in danger must act because he didn't know he didn't know the little Bobatons girl from or not she wasn't at Bobatons no. at the time but no, he didn't but know I Gabrielle from Gabrielle uh huh yeah he didn't know Gabrielle from from anyone but he still right. he wanted to save her too right I mean mm-hmm. um, and and I guess you could argue that part of the contract because we think of a contract as a piece of paper that we're used to and everything that's involved in making you do it is just that you feel the obligation. Whereas this, because it's magical, it could actually force you. You could, I mean, think about the unbreakable vow. It's like, like if you break it, you die. Okay? Well, this could have something like that. It's like, if you do not make an honest effort, something bad happens. I don't know what, but, you know, I mean, if we're going to assume the, the, the possibility of an, of an unbreakable vow, I guess we can, you know, assume the... And we have to, there because has, it's yeah, canon. There has to be some sort of consequence. Otherwise, right. I mean, or... Maybe it psychologically affects you. Maybe he feels like he has no choice but to do mm-hmm. his best. Yeah, uh, right. Maybe no, there's some. Yeah, we we, we've talked about the whole idea of the whole idea of there's this, this intention in magic. Magic affects things in a non-muggle way. So we as muggles don't get a sense really sometimes of how magic works because there is this fabric of reality which magic affects. It affects your mood. Look at what happens with the Horcrux changes your mood. So the fact that he is, you know, in this thing, crazily enough, means that he is psychologically, if you will, in this competition. Right. Although you'd certainly think he would have waited till, you know, wouldn't have waited till the last night to try to figure out how to, you know, actually survive. Uh, well, you know, that's that's. Well, he, he apparently was trying, but... Uh, but but he's 14, too. Yeah. You know, he's 14 years old. 14-year-old boys are not, you know, known for their, you know, wisdom and, you know, common sense. So. Right. Speaking as having been one. <laughs> Me, too. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, it, but it, the thing that always bugged me is just, it's just that level. Why, why is he bound to a contract he did not enter? Mm-hmm. No. But I guess, and, and then we have, because we always do this when we're talking about canon, we always come at it from two ways. We come at it from outside saying, okay, this makes sense, this doesn't make sense, this quote-unquote has to be because, that kind of thing. And then you step inside the story and you say, okay, well, let's assume that that contract does exist because it is there in canon. Whether we think it makes sense or not, so how does it make sense from within the world? How does it magically make sense in that way? And again, you know, this, this, this could be... Part of the tournament could be the fact that you are going to be risking your life. You could die, and you can't back out. And there has been a history of people, when they realize what they have to face, they back out. 
And so part of the thing is, man, you're going to sign up. We're going to, you know, you're going to sign your life away here just so you know. And you sign it, and it's almost a formality because everybody, if you're going to be in this, you don't care, you're going to do it. But they do make you sign it because there have been incidents over the past 700 years or however many years they've been doing the tournament. You know, maybe it's that kind of a thing. Right. But the, it still comes to me, comes back to how can magic bind him to something that he had no part in? If it's a contract, mm-hmm. like the unbreakable vow, you have to actually say the unbreakable vow. You have to do the right. one tip to one tip thing. You right. have to lace it around. You have to have a witness, yeah. right? Yeah. But just like, just like, okay, but then think about it like this. Technically, you have to do that to make a horcrux, too. You don't just make a horcrux by killing somebody. You also have to do all this magic. Yet, by this weird, you know, freak of magic, whatever, Harry became a, a horcrux type thing. He wasn't technically a horcrux, but let's just say he was for, for, for this discussion. Without all the magic. On that with, one was always that I presume, because you know, they never tell you what this magic is, what you have to do to make a horcrux. Uh-huh. Um, so I've kind of assumed, well, you probably have to, you know, murder's probably the last step. Oh. Okay, maybe we don't, we're really, we're going to push the ratings on this particular <laughs> tell you let's okay let's drop it right there just because i'm looking at we, we're gone over an hour and we kind of want to keep these things to an hour i know i always have some people email and say no no keep talking but um we will <laughs> and we'll other talk people on say episode. it's too long <laughs> I, you know i've never had anybody email with that actually but okay so on my podcast okay so here's the deal we are gonna uh leave it for now and we'll see if there's some emails or messages or comments or anything because oh by the way on the lexicon now the comments are working so if you want to make comments on any page at all you go right ahead um if we got anything like that we can continue this discussion on magical contracts maybe talk about the unbreakable vow a little bit more since that's sort of also a magical contract um but i do have some other uh things to talk about next time thinking about that um, i will get with you on that nick and we will talk it over uh, and see if, uh, what we'd like to talk about. But, for now, that's about it for episode 17. We have run ourselves right through. Um, I just want to say a quick shout-out, uh, Harry and the Potters, because they allow us to use their uh, the opening section of one of their songs for our theme music, which I think is pretty awesome. So thank you for that. Uh, Nick, what will you be up to, and how can people get a hold of you? Um, as for what I'll be up to, at least during my when-I'm-at-home hours, is... Uh, finishing all the last remaining things in the lexicon, so we can. Go I on. hoped you were going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, we got there's lots of little things that we need to do before we go live, but they're getting smaller. The things mm-hmm. are getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. So hopefully, very very soon. Um, like you, I don't want to jinx it by giving a date. No, nope, do not, uh, do not, do yeah. not. Uh, as for how people can get a hold of me, they can uh, follow me on Twitter at at Nick Moline, or they can uh, email me at nick at hp lexiconorg Excellent. And what will I be doing? Working on the lexicon, which is what I do. And when I don't do that, I'm hanging around doing things. I'm trying to, my goal is this fall that I want to learn to play golf. You know, so. Really? We'll see what happens. Yeah. So that's kind of. I've never pictured you as a golfer. Well, nobody ever has. But I actually bought, have some clubs. And so, you know, I go to the backyard and I bat the little practice balls around. So I think I'm all set now for the Open. But no, I, I, that's, that's something I'd like to do. But probably all I'll do is work on the lexicon because, you know. I want it to go live as well. And if you want to get a hold of me, it's steve at hp-lexicon.org. 
the website is www.hp-lexicon.org. And if you want to go to the beta site, go right ahead. It's just substitute beta, B-E-T-A, instead of the www at the beginning of the uh, web address. And it'll take you there. And we would love to get your feedback, uh, find out what you think. So, basically, that is about it. It wraps it all up. This is Steve Vanderark of the Harry Potter Lexicon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>